Hey, well, good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here at South City Church. I want to apologize right off the bat um, for having to come to you in sort of this remote way. Uh, a little over three weeks ago, my family came down with COVID. My wife and my oldest daughter, Daisy, tested positive. And so for the next week or nine days or so, my little girl and I, Jovi, both just served them, kept them in separate rooms. They stayed masked when we were around. There was We did every protocol that we could possibly do, washing things, sanitizer, everything you think of. And we were doing really well. And on the last day of quarantine, um, I started feeling funny. Jovi started feeling funny. So we both came down with COVID as well, which meant it started us in a whole nother protocol of quarantine. Luckily, that's almost over another day or two and we'll be finished with that. But I just want to apologize for not being with you in person today. Uh, and I will say that my flesh is pretty weak today, um, but my spirit is willing. And I had a, a desire um, and a heart to tell you what uh, the Lord has spoken to me uh, today. And so I wanted to just kind of come to you, at least in this way, and share with you some of the things that were on my heart. Uh, I got to tell you, there's some other things that I'm burdened about besides just the fact that my family's had COVID. And we, I feel like I'm coming to you from solitary confinement. Uh, beyond that, my heart is honestly broken for uh, the people of Afghanistan, um, especially believers in Afghanistan, missionaries. Um, it's a difficult situation right now there, and uh, so I want us to pray for them. My heart is also burdened for the people in Haiti. Um, Haiti is a, a place that I, I have a heart for. Um, I'm connected to an orphanage there. I have friends who run an orphanage in Jacmel, Haiti, and um, I'm burdened about the earthquake and the hurricanes and all the things that have happened in Haiti even in the last few days, Nigeria as well. So there's so many places around the world that my heart is burdened for, and honestly, I'd love it if you would just join with me in prayer for these places that need our prayer before we even get into our conversation this morning. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much uh, for your goodness. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the privilege of being together with family in your house. Thank you for technology that we can uh, still do this. I can still teach even though I'm not there and even though I'm sick with COVID. Lord, I pray for your grace that your strength would be made perfect in my weakness and that your word would be preached with clarity and boldness and that it would go out from my mouth into the ears and hearts of the people that would listen today, that, that you would make us the church that you want us to be, uh, that we would be a praying church for the mission of God around the world. Lord, we lift up to you Afghanistan, Afghan believers. Would you protect them, Lord? Would you do a miracle, Lord, and make a way for people who are going to be persecuted and uh, martyred there in the next few days, if not even now? Lord God, would you help them to stand for their faith, and yet would you please bring justice to evildoers who long to see uh, believers killed? Lord God, would you bring swift justice, whether it be in, in Kabul or Washington, D.C., God, bring justice to people who are liars and uh, who deceive. And so, God, I pray that you would bring your justice to all people. Uh, Lord, I pray for Haiti and uh, survivors and the resources and efforts to those who are struggling there because of the earthquake. Um, for Nigeria, we pray, God. We pray for all these countries that are struggling uh, in this difficult season. Lord, it feels like we're in the end times, Lord, and so I say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Um, and what an appropriate conversation that as we pray about you coming back to earth, Lord, as we pray about you uh, returning, Lord, will you help us to be a faithful people, a faithful church? Um, 
that we may serve you, be the witness you've called us to be. And we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, well, this morning I want to talk to you. I want us to kind of get going. Elvis did a wonderful job last week of getting us started in this series called Multiply. Um, I want us to talk about multiplication for a few weeks. I'm hoping that you received, let me see. Hoping that you received this field journal. Uh, this is a little journal that we've gotten for all of our folks. Uh, please just take one for each individual. Uh, but this is a way for you to just kind of write notes, um, write scriptures, write down names of people who need to know Jesus. Write down prayers, write down questions, write down verses, write down sermon notes, whatever you can. Over these next few weeks, I pray that this would be a journal that you could keep always, even in your Bible, uh, and it remind you of what it means to be on mission uh, for Jesus and to make his gospel multiply around the world and around your world and your community. So if you don't have one of those, we can get you one of those. But um, we're excited about that. Uh, Listen, as we've been thinking about this series, and I've been thinking about it for several months now, a series called Multiply, I believe this is an important time for us to get into this conversation because I truly believe it is the foundation, and we've been talking over this for years, but it is the foundation of where our church is headed and where we're going, this next chapter for South City. I'm so excited about it. Our elders are so excited about what God is doing in us, what he's raising up in us, the people he wants us to be. And so uh, we need to be a people who understands multiplication, understands what it means to make disciples and being about that and doing that very thing. Uh, in fact, we can't be a disciple unless we make disciples. That's the very part of the nature of being a disciple is to make other disciples. This is an incredibly important season in history. Uh, this is in incredibly important for believers around the world, even as we pray for those in Afghanistan. I think it's important for us to realize the greatest role of the church is to make disciples and multiply. Uh, Jesus didn't say, I'll just go to church, you know. Uh, he, he said, make disciples. And so I pray that we would be an obedient people to do that. Now, sadly, the Western church, we haven't done a very good job of this. Instead, we've, we've made church about an event, a, a location, a program of some kind, a service. But Jesus commanded us to make disciples. But my question is, do we even know what that means? Are we even disciples? Do we even know how to make disciples? So this series over the next several weeks and a couple of months is going to be about that. What does it mean to be a disciple and how do you make disciples? And so I'm excited for us to get into that uh, today. Uh, as we get going this morning, I want to acknowledge a few things. The first thing is this, and, and guess what? You can put it in your journal. This is the notes for the message today. First thing I want us to acknowledge is that we serve the God of mission. God is a God of mission. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that he sent, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world, he sent he sent Jesus to rescue the world, to redeem the world, to save us. That was a missional effort that he sent Jesus to rescue. So he is a missionary God. He is a missional God. I uh, also want to acknowledge the fact that he's the only one that can draw people to salvation. John 6, says, only the Father can draw someone to himself. Right, so it's not impressive messages on Sundays. It's not um, persuasive conversations that you may have with your family or friends. No, it's, it's only the Spirit of God that draws someone to himself, which makes sense for us to seek the God of mission, that he would draw people to himself to be saved. 
It's not our words. It's not even all of our efforts. It is our obedience. We, it is part of it. But only God can draw someone to himself. The souls of men can only be drawn to God by God. Um, so therefore, we must seek him to do that very thing, to draw his people. So I believe this. I believe we'll do more on our knees praying that God would draw people to himself than we would preaching to every person we meet. We need to be a people seeking the Lord for the harvest, seeking the Lord for people to be drawn to himself to be saved, right? So we can't really start this conversation about multiplication without considering prayer. Pastor Elvis did a great job last week and mentioned that. And today I want this service to really be focused on the prayer of mission. What does it mean for the church to be praying? Uh, what does it mean for us to be uh, people seeking the, the God of mission? Well, one of the things we need to know is his heart. And God's heart is that he wants all people to know him. Second uh, Peter 3, 9 said he's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It is God's nature. It is God's heart that all people come to salvation. That is the kind of God we serve, right? Uh, God sent Jesus to the world, and that is his heart for people to know him. Uh, but when it comes to us as believers, we got to take a look at John 20, 21, where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So God sends Jesus to the world. He's a missional God. And Jesus sends us to the world. He's a missional Savior. The question is, are we a missional people? Are we a missional church? I want to show you some examples of what it means to be a praying church for mission. Uh, now, before I do that, I want to say, listen, sometimes it feels daunting. I don't know about you, but when I think about the weight of the lostness of the world uh, somehow weighing on, somehow on, on us as normal people and we have to go and we have to preach this, it feels so daunting to me. It feels difficult and hard to accept, but I have to remember the great commission of Jesus. As Elvis mentioned last week, not just Matthew 28, but also Acts 1, Jesus says, that he would be with us, he would go with us. We're not alone on this mission. He is with us, and he's empowered us by his spirit to be witnesses, to do all that we need to do, to say all that we need to say, uh, to accomplish all that we need to accomplish. It's not on our shoulders, friends. Jesus is with us, he, he has empowered us, and so then we can go with the confidence of Christ with us and his power. So I wanna show you some examples of what it means to be a praying church, okay? A church praying uh, for the mission of Jesus. I want to remind you of Acts 3 and 4 where we see uh, Peter and John going into the temple and they're on mission from the church and they're going and they, they, they see the crippled man outside the gate and they heal the man. And after they heal him, uh, thousands of people come to know Jesus. Incredible moment. Then they find themselves in front of the Sanhedrin because they're in trouble preaching. Who do they think they are that they can preach in the temple. They're just ordinary fishermen. And, and I love the power and the boldness coming from, from Peter's words and mouth. Acts 4, 12, Peter says, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized, look into the, watch this, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Friends, being with Jesus is everything. Peter and John are just fishermen. They are just common men. They are just ordinary men. 
but they had been with Jesus. They had prayed, they had sought him, they had spent time with him, and his presence uh, was now living through them, and he had given them a boldness to preach this unbelievable gospel. And so that's exactly what they do. So, <laughs> so after they, they give this uh, preaching message to the Sanhedrin, and the, the Sanhedrin says that they recognize that they have been with Jesus, look what it says, they go somewhere. Verse 23, drop down, he says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, and then I want you to skip down again to this main prayer. This is the prayer of mission in that little Jerusalem house of believers of this church. Verse 29, chapter 4, verse 29 says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats. In other words, God, protect us as we preach this message of Jesus around Jerusalem. Look upon their threats. Do what you need to do. Do what you need to do to protect us and grant to your servants uh, to continue to speak with your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I love that story. I love it because Peter and John come back, you know they're just on cloud nine, you know, they can't wait to tell them what happened and how God saved their lives. They, they didn't die. The same, the same council that, that murdered Jesus let them go because they had a crippled man standing before them they couldn't argue with. There was a miracle that God had done. And so they didn't know what to do, so they let them go. They told them, hey, listen, don't preach anymore. And Peter, even in his boldness, says, I'm going to have to, you know, if you think I'm going to have to decide with you, I'm going to do what God tells me to do or what you are going to tell me to do. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and I'm going to preach. And they still let them go. And so after they leave, they come to their friend's house. And what is that church doing? They're praying. They're praying for Peter and John. They're praying for protection. They're praying for a miracle. Uh, there's another wonderful example where Peter is the next to be killed. Elvis mentioned this last week as well. Uh, James has been killed. The church is freaking out, to say the least. And, and Peter is about to be killed. He's literally sleeping. They're, they're protecting him so much in prison. He has to sleep between two prison guards, two Roman prison guards. And he's chained. And, and the angel shows up and touches Peter on the side and says, wake up. And the chains slip off of Peter's hands. And he gets out and those guards don't wake up. And he goes past one station of guards and another station of guards. And he finds himself out at the gate freed. And it, he, Peter says it's almost like a dream. Look, this is where we show up here in Acts 13, verse 1. Um, I'm sorry, Acts 12, verse 11. He says, when Peter came to himself, because it seemed like a dream, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Verse 12 says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who, uh, whose name was Mark, where many gathered together and were doing what? They were praying. They were praying. Just as they were in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 12, they're praying. When, when mission is taking place, the church is praying for protection. They're praying for Peter's life to be spared, and that's exactly what God does. He sends an angel to rescue Peter in, a, in an extravagant way. And church fi uh, Peter finds this church praying praying for his protection. What about when uh, Paul and Barnabas are in the church of Antioch uh, and they're praying, it says, and they're fasting and they're worshiping 
and God sends them out. Look with me, Acts 13, verse 1 says, Now there was, there, uh, they were in the church in Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius uh, of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is another beautiful example of leaders of a church worshiping, being a worshiping community, seeking the Lord, praying to the Lord, spending time with the Lord. They too had been with Jesus because, friends, can I just say something? We can do nothing as a church until we've first been with Jesus, until we have first been with Jesus, until we spend time with him, until we are a praying church, realizing he's the God of mission that draws all people to himself. So let's seek him that he would draw people to himself through us and through our efforts to make him known. That's our job. That's our prayer. We need to be a praying church. Well, the, the text I want us to look at mainly today is an amazing text in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, as you're turning there. So what are the things we've learned in this uh, praying church section, these examples? We've learned that the church prays for boldness, the church prays for miracles, the church prays for protection, the church prays uh, for souls to be saved in mission. God does amazing things in all these moments. And in every one of these moments, the church is praying. Prayer is the foundation of mission. We could never reach the world. We could never be who God's called us to be to go to the world until we first pray and seek the God of mission. Until we first pray and ask God to draw people to himself. So I want us to look at this text. This is our main text today. 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 1. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Paul uh, is writing in that season while he's in the house church there. We just covered this in Acts 28. And... Um, he writes to Timothy. Timothy is pastor and, and sort of like a bishop over all the churches of Ephesus. Look what he says. Look what Paul says to Timothy. First of all, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. I want you to notice the first thing Paul says, and he makes it a big deal. He says, first of all, in other words, of first importance, the first thing I'm going to mention to you, Timothy, is this. Pray. Be a church that is a praying church that understands that their role is to pray to the God of mission. He says, first of all, it matters most, it's most important that we pray and that we pray in all kinds of ways. And he lists four different things. He lists supplications. Supplications are when we make requests known to God. And we, and we pray specific things to God. Lord, please do these things. He says prayers, which in the Greek is just a word that means sort of an everyday prayer. This is just spending time praying, talking to God. Uh, he mentions this word intercessions, which is an intercession is when we pray for someone uh, on their behalf. I've got a friend who is uh, fighting for his life with COVID in Tulsa right now in the hospital. And I have been pleading with the Lord in tears and crying out for my soul 
from my soul for Brian's life. Uh, I'd ask you to pray for Brian Green as well. He's a dear friend and he's struggling greatly. But I have been interceding for Brian. He cannot pray right now, right? He's intubated, he's, he's on a ventilator, he's struggling. He cannot pray, so I'm interceding for Brian. Uh, then Paul also mentions to Timothy, we need to be praying prayers of thanksgiving. This is when we trust and believe that God has heard our prayer, that he is good and that he will do his will and that he has heard our, our petitions, our requests, our intercessions, and we're just grateful to, to know him, to love him, to be his. This is what it means to be praying with a prayer, uh, prayerful hearts of gratefulness or thanksgiving. So Paul says pray all these kinds of prayers for all people. And he, he gives us example, he says, for kings. Now, don't you know the Jewish people would immediately gone, ugh. They hated, they hated Romans, they hated uh, the kings, Jewish kings. They, this, these were people who seemed to be out of touch in many, many ways. And so, in sort of this is a way that, that Paul goes to the extreme and says, we pray for the people we may not respect that much, but we pray for them. The people that bother us, the people we don't agree with, the people we don't look like the people who vote differently than us, that think differently than, than us, who have a different experience than us, pray for all people. That's what Paul's trying to say here. It's so important. Paul makes it so clear how important prayer is to be for the church. He tells Timothy, first of all, pray in every kind of way for all kinds of people. But there's a purpose for why we pray. Because Paul says when we pray for these leaders, uh, we can live peaceful, quiet uh, dignified, godly lives, right? Why is that important? Well, it's important that it, it, in that time that if they could live quiet, dignified lives, they could advance the gospel without any hindrance. You might remember the word hindrance was used in uh, chapter 28 of Acts when it says Paul was preaching the gospel with boldness and without hindrance. Well, that was because Nero at the time didn't have a problem with, with him sharing the gospel in the same way these leaders didn't have a problem with the church sharing the gospel. And so Paul was saying, as long as we pray for them and we, it stays in this way, we can continue to advance the gospel. That's what Paul's trying to say. In other words, what matters most is that the, that the gospel is advanced. But I also want to say this about this verse. I think it's very interesting. He says very specifically that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Can I just tell you something? the families and the marriages, the biblical marriages that look like this, that, that live quiet, peaceable, uh, dignified, godly lives, you are a city on a hill. You in yourself, just in the way that you live as a married couple, as you parent your children, as you care for your neighbors, as you live in this world quiet, peaceably, dignified, and godly, you're a city on a hill. You are a rarity. You are becoming more and more rare every single day. And I, I gotta tell you, people notice who you are. They know the God that you serve and you are a witness to this world just in the way that you live and the way that you pray. It matters. My, my little girl has a friend who uh, doesn't really have a father figure in her home and in her life. And so last few years when we had a daddy-daughter dance, uh, I've asked her to go with me and Jovi for our daddy-daughter dance. And she just is beaming with joy and has so much fun to, to feel included. She's not left out in this. And it meant so much to us for to be able to include her in this and to, to love her and, and to show her that kind of love. I promise you, she looks at our family different than she looks at others. 
that I know that there are children, uh, friends of my children, who they look at our family differently. They know that uh, that our kids are those Christian kids at school, right? We are a city on a hill when we live in this way, which is becoming a rare thing every single day in this world. Um, so if Christians live peaceable, quiet, godly, dignified lives, I want you to know that is a great witness to the world. Just that in itself is a great witness to the world. It's a great example of what uh, it means to follow Christ, the beauty of uh, trusting Jesus in all that we have and all that we are in our marriages and in our families. So Paul says this is how we live. This is how uh, we honor God. God is pleased in our prayers. In fact, look with me, verse 3. He says, this is good. What's he talking about right here? He's talking about when a church prays. When a church prays uh, with supplication and intercession and in thanksgiving and we're praying and spending time with God, this is good. This pleases God. He says, it is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So can I just tell you the greatest prayer that the church can pray for people, for all people, is that they come to know Christ. It's important that we pray for people. I'm praying for my friend with COVID. You're probably praying for family members and other people for different reasons. But friends, can I tell you the greatest prayer you can pray for them is the prayer of salvation. Pray a prayer of mission. God, use me, use someone to reach them, draw them to yourself to be saved. That is the prayer that we need to be praying. H.P. Uh, Griffin, who's a commentarian on this topic, says the goal of the prayers of Paul, uh, the, the goal of the prayers that Paul urged is that all people be saved. Intercession for all people pleases the God who desires all to be saved. So Paul here references the truth, right? He, he mentions it here at the end. He says he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And what's interesting, in the very next verse, he gives us what that is. What is the truth? Let's look at it. Verse 5. There is one God. And there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So Paul lays it out to Timothy. He says, he, God wants all people to be saved and all people to come to the truth, which is, by the way, Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between God and man, and he gave his life on a cross to ransom all people. That, this is him sharing all of this. This is an interesting phrase when he says to ransom all people. It's the only place we see this word used in the Greek, ransom. A ransom is something that you pay uh, to somebody who's holding something captive. So if there's a kidnapper or somebody else and you have to pay them a sum of money to release, to get release of that captive, that is a ransom that you pay. The Bible here is telling us that that's exactly what Jesus did when he died on the cross. His death on the cross was our ransom. He set us free. He set us free. Now we're living in the perfect time. This is what this last verse means. It says, it's kind of confusing, but it says, um, which is the testimony given at the proper time. What that's saying is, right now is a perfect opportunity for you to give your testimony of Jesus setting you free. What does he set you free from? The power of sin and death, hell and the grave. What, what does he set you free from? It also means that this is the time of salvation. This is the time where uh, grace is still extended to you. Jesus has died on the cross, and he's offering that grace to you. And can I just tell you this morning, I, I'm not 
positive it's the end times, but it sure feels like it to me. I've never in my lifetime ever experienced more end time uh, realities around us. Literally the world shaking in earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars, pandemics. This is a crazy time. This is not a time to not be sure about your salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do you know Jesus? Is he your savior? Don't wait another day when this service is over. Go find one of the elders that'll be up front. Talk to them about what it means to be saved. Go pray in that altar and give your heart and life to Jesus. But don't take the chance. This is the end times. I believe it is with all my heart. And I think we need to know Jesus and be sure and confident of that salvation in him. So he explains what the truth is. He says it's Jesus. And uh, so as Paul's given this message to Timothy for the churches there in Ephesus, he says we're supposed to pray. It's most important, all prayers for all people. Um, so that, and even as we live a life that honors God, that, that that lifestyle and those prayers, they're a witness to the world, uh, and that pleases God. That prayer, that lifestyle pleases God. God has redeemed us. Jesus has ransomed us. And there's no better time for us to be a witness to how he has freed us from sin and, and hell. Um, this is the time. Can I ask you this this morning? Listen, has Jesus freed you? Has he redeemed you? I know he has me. I can't, I can't uh, understate, I can't overstate, I should say, how, how important this is that we share this. Sometimes we get so freaked out about being a witness or, or telling our story or witnessing to people. God just wants us to share our story of freedom. He just wants us to be honest with people and love them enough to tell this story to them before it's too late. I, I wanna tell you that over the next 21 days, we're gonna be going into a season of prayer and fasting as a church, 21 days of prayer. We get the number 21 from Daniel chapter 10 where he did several things over a 21 day period. And I love there's a phrase in, in Daniel chapter 10 where the angel tells uh, Daniel, he says, from the moment your heart turned to me to pray, I've heard you. <laughs> Friends, can I tell you from the moment that you begin to seek the Lord earnestly with your heart and we long to be with Jesus just as those early disciples were, he'll hear us, he'll move. I believe that with all my heart. So we're gonna go into this 21 uh, day uh, season of, of prayer and fasting. Doesn't mean you don't eat for 21 days, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. When you need to be safe, you might need to check with your doctor about what fasting options you have. It could be that you wanna fast from Facebook or you wanna fast from television or some other thing. But the reason we fast is so that we get serious about prayer. So whatever it is that helps you get serious about prayer, maybe consider fasting and, and, and doing it, that thing. Uh, it may be one meal a day. I don't know, maybe it's sodas, whatever the case may be. I pray that you would pray with us for 21 days. We're gonna meet at 10.30 every single morning on a Zoom call. Uh, you've got that link on a card that we're gonna give you for 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're gonna just spend a few minutes praying and seeking the Lord, praying for Afghanistan and these other countries and places that need prayer. And for all these different uh, phrases and prayer requests that we see on that card. Uh, well, we're going to give you that link on Facebook on our family page as well, so check there as well. Hey, lastly, um, before you leave this morning, before we finish up, I've asked our elders to come down. Um, I love our elders. They are such wonderful men. And I've asked them to pray four prayers. I've asked them to give you a couple of minutes as the body of Christ right where you sit to pray for each of these prayers.
prayer requests. And then I've asked each one of these elders to pray over that prayer request and in that section into the next one. But would you pray these prayers? Would you seek the Lord with me? May we be a New Testament church on mission with Jesus, this co-mission with Jesus to make him known and to know him as disciples. Disciples, authentic disciples who are making disciples for his glory and the good of our city. That's, that's our prayer. That's our mission. Uh, so before the elders come, let me just remind you, when we pray in just a minute together, we're seeking the God of mission. He sent Jesus on this mission, and he's the only one who draws people to himself. So pray that God would draw those people on your heart to himself, even as you write them down in your journal. Uh, we're going to have post-it notes on the back wall real soon uh, where you can write down the names of people who don't know Jesus and put it on that wall so we can pray with you for their salvation. But we serve the God of mission. That's, that's, that's God. As he sent Jesus, he is a missional God, and, and Jesus is sending us to be missionaries as well. Also, like the early church, we need to be a praying church. We need to be praying for boldness, uh, for protection, for miracles. We need to pray that the Lord would show us who needs to go and where we need to go and how we need to be on mission. Uh, and so let's pray those things. And then lastly, as Paul wrote to Timothy from this passage this we've studied this morning, we need to be a church first of first importance that we know what it means to pray and that when we pray, we pray in every possible way for all possible people, from kings to ordinary people just like us, that they know Jesus because God's heart is that they be saved and be brought to repentance. That is his heart. That is the mission of Jesus. May we be a church praying to that end, that all people would come to know Christ. That is our prayer this morning. That's what he wants to happen. He's pleased in families that pray and live those peaceable, quiet, dignified, godly lives. I pray that that's your family. If it's not, maybe this is a time for you to pray about being that kind of family. A single person, is that the kind of family you want to have? Are you praying about that now? Are you seeking that type of future? May those type of people be who we long to be as the church of Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die for us, God, so that we might be saved. And thank you, Lord, for having Jesus send us on this mission. Lord, may we be faithful to be obedient to this mission, to hear what you're saying, to go where you're saying to go, to trust that you've gone with us, Lord, to trust that you are empowering us by your spirit, that we have nothing to fear, that, that you're going to use us for your glory in this great mission to see people come to know you. But Lord, we start today seeking the God of mission. Lord, you are the God of mission. And we pray that you would draw people to yourself out of your grace, out of your glory. Help people come to know you, Jesus, and use us we humbly pray, Lord, let us be a part of this beautiful story as you draw people to yourself. Father, thank you for the opportunity to pray together these prayer requests and pray as we pray for our city and our city groups and our church and our own lives and neighborhoods. God, would you please move in us to be a missional church seeking you and making you known. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we give you this time in your precious name. Amen. Elders, go ahead and lead us in this time of prayer and, and South City, let's practice what we preach. Let's be a church praying for the mission of God. God bless you. Have a good day. So don't let these next few minutes be uncomfortable for you. Just relax. And would you just...
go ahead and close your eyes to focus on several things that our pastor has already told us uh, today. We do want to pray that God would draw people to himself. So would you do that just where you sit, that God would draw people to himself for salvation? Pray for that family member that maybe is yet to know Christ. That neighbor. God would draw them. That co-worker that God would draw them to himself. That person that causes you the most grief. That God would draw them to himself. Pray that you would be that kind of person that people would see Jesus Christ in. And Father, we come to you honestly saying we can't do it, but you can. You are the God who draws people, who pulls them, who gently woos them. You are the God who comes in visions, in dreams, and even shows through people, your love. So we ask you in the name of Jesus to draw people to yourself that we would be that church that would be faithful to disciple them and take them, bring them along. We ask this in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all that you have done in being a missional God, sending Jesus Christ to come into this world and to give his life a ransom for many. And we're so thankful that we can be a part of that, to be ransomed by him. Our hearts rise to you as we think of the words of Drew as he reminded us of Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin and how the rulers and the authorities of that day marveled at their boldness. Oh, Lord, this is the, the true nature of your children. Yes, we, leave, we live godly and peaceable lives, but when it comes to the truth, we need that kind of boldness today. As the early church gathered and remembered Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And today we see rulers in, in locally and nationally and in, world, in the world who, because of, yes, your plan and your hand, has determined that they can have this time to oppose, to oppose the gospel, to oppose Christians. And our hearts go out to those who are most opposed today in Afghanistan, brothers and sisters and missionaries and others who love the name of Jesus. We ask your protection on them and deliverance on them, but we ask you, God, to give them that godly boldness that we need. And we ask today to comfort our hearts as we know your hand is greatly at work to give us that same boldness today. Thank you, Lord, for all of these good things. Be with our brothers and sisters who are being oppressed all over the world and prepare us for the same. 
to be bold in your name. Amen. Yeah, I want to give you just a little bit of time to, um, to pray. I know Drew was challenging us that, you know, Scripture says that God's desire is that all come to him. And I'm sure there's probably names that, that came to your mind um, as he was, as he was um, telling us that. And so I want to give us just a little bit of time, a little quiet time, because not only do we need to be praying, but I want you to be thinking in terms of how do you serve them? How do you love them? How do you take that, that a little bit further from prayer into some action? So if you could just take a, just a minute or so and then I'll close this in, in some prayer. Lord, I want to just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your reminder and your word that of who you are, that you're God, that we have an opportunity to come to you and pray. We just thank you that you have a desire to reach everyone. Thank you that you've given us the ability to be able to take your word with boldness, courage and be able to go out and share that with people but Lord this morning I do want to just ask that you continue to work in our hearts and our minds as, as we even look through this next week the people that you've brought to our minds how that we might be able to serve them and love them and just tell them about you Lord, I just pray that you give us the opportunity to be able to do that, but also give us the courage to be able to step into that, be able to serve people that, quite frankly, we may not agree with right now. We may not like. Lord, give us your heart. Help us to seek after those who need to hear the message of the gospel. Lord, I do love you and just praise you in Jesus' name. Prayer. Praying reminds me that we often say our prayers, but do we really pray? 
to the wishes of our heart go with the words we say. I often bow down and offer to, the, to God a prayer of words alone, but God will not hear those prayers unless I'm sincere. It's my heart unfolds before God and I really mean the words that I say it's time for us to pray let's take just a moment and really seek God in prayer and I'll close with prayer Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have leaders that have called us to prayer. And we pray, God, that each of us will hear that call, that each of us will answer that call, and that we will bow our knees we will bow our face before you teach us God what it is to humble ourselves before you and to plead with you to intercede and to pray faithfully today we're called on to pray for our our city. Board, you know the you know the community we live in. You know the crime. You know the hate. You know the destructions that's going on in, in our city. And God, you're the only one that can heal it. We have programs and we have plans but they won't get the job done. The only thing is going to, that's going to take the hurt away is for your people to get on their face before you and ask for these healings to come. We've been called on to pray for our state. And God, we asked that you would bless especially with the outbreak of COVID that's going on now across our state. And once again, God, we have physicians that give their opinions and give their instructions and give their thoughts on what needs to be done. But God, you're the only one 
that can heal this epidemic. And we're asking, God, that you would blanket our state with your love and your protection on us. And we've been asked to pray for our world. Oh, God, what a mess we're in. What hurt there is. We only have to look at one country today, Afghanistan, and we see the atrocities that are going on. And God, our heart breaks for our fellow believers. There's so many that are hiding in their homes today that are afraid to come out because of persecution, because of the loss of lives. God, you're the only one that can heal their hurts today. And we pray, Father. Oh, God, how we pray that you will break our hearts for the lost of this world, the lost about us, and the lost that you died for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for uh, praying. Elders, thanks for leading us. Continue to pray for Drew. He's doing well. Uh, but just pray as his strength gets back. And um, he referenced uh, the journal. And uh, there's a prayer guide. If you didn't receive one of those, they're on the table in the back. Be sure and get one of those. And uh, there is a, uh, a link on here for Zoom. If you can join the call at 1030, um, that would be great. If you can't, because of work or other things, uh, set a little alarm on your on your phone at 10:30 every day for the next 21 days as we uh, pray for uh, God's move among us and among our city, that many would come to faith. And uh, even today, we're going to end a little differently. Uh, on this Sunday every year, uh, we do a prayer walk around our campus, and we pray that God would move in our community that he would use the resources that we have here for his kingdom and his glory. And uh, so if you have children over in the children's ministry, get them, take them to a place, and just uh, spend a minute praying together as a family. The legacy group is going to remain in this building, and uh, they're going to pray in here. So uh, we'll let you guys huddle up with uh, Jerry and Sue. But thank you so much for being here today. And uh, continue to join us as God has us on this journey uh, to make us more like him. Uh, so let me pray and we will go. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We love you and trust you. We follow you. In Christ's name, amen.